What's going on, coaches? Hopefully everyone's having a great week. You enjoyed our episode last week and are going to enjoy our episode this week. Uh, Coach Walls has just put up uh, our newest RTP install for this month. It's three by one levels uh, with option routes. So uh, you guys make sure and go check that out. Uh, that's only 12 bucks a month. You can watch all of our video content um, and obviously see our past 16 episodes of RTP install, all of our, all of our other uh, series that we have up there, and then our newest episode of RTP install, which is three by one levels option routes. Uh, that and all of our podcast episodes on our website, runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder is again offering coaches a free in season football strength program. As you may recall, the New England Patriots squat up to 90% of their one rep max deep into the playoffs. If your end season strength conditioning philosophy is to just maintain, then you are doing it wrong. You can get the program once you start a 14-day free trial with Team Builder. Just reach out and tell them that you heard it from Rowdy in the RTP podcast. Or use the code RTP when you sign up for your free trial at teambuilder.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our friends over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product months ago, and we have to say it's been a game changer for us, both uh, before the season started and now during the season. Uh, we especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes. Uh, obviously, you guys know power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, and even a little bit of outside zone this year, uh, and tagging our RPOs in those as well. Just Play has a limited offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is uh, an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. This offer has been extended um, and you need to act soon before it ends. Get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Eric Diaz. Coach Diaz is the offense coordinator at Liberty Christian in Argyle, Texas. Listen as we talk with Coach Diaz about Football for Life, an organization he helped start to prevent teen suicide on the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota, his offensive philosophies, and coaching at private schools in Texas. You can follow Coach Diaz on Twitter at Coach Diaz. Hope you guys enjoy. My name is Eric Diaz, and um, I actually grew up in, in Southern California. Um, I played at a uh, high school called uh, St. Paul High School in Santa Fe Springs. Um, it, you know, it's, it's a pretty well-known school down there. Um, you know, prior to the, the 1980s, it was a big-time football school. The, the head coach there, Marion Anasich, um, who, who passed away recently, um, he's the second winningest coach in the entire state of, of California. Um, 360 wins, so it was it was a good program. I didn't have the honor to play from. He actually um, moved on to the college ranks while I was going to school there. And um, my senior year, we actually got a new coach, um, and um, you know, kind of turning a, a negative into a positive. I really um, wasn't wasn't very close to him. I don't think he liked me, and and. Uh, um, he's my why he's the reason the reason why I'm coaching now is because I don't want people having to play for a guy like that to be honest with you I didn't play college ball um and and that was one of the reasons why I, I was so burnt out of, of the game that I really really loved for such a long time that um 
I, I, I decided to stop playing in college, even though I had an opportunity to, um, you know, kind of, <clears throat> kind of got, got away from football for a while, but, but um, he actually left the school two years after my senior year and uh, my defensive coordinator alumni of the school called me up. Um, I was going to college. He said, Hey, you know, how'd you like to come out and coach some freshman football? And um, I'll pay you if you can work your schedule around it. You know, I know, I know you know the system. I know you know what we're doing. And um, so I, I did that for, for four years while I was going to college. Um, loved it. My, my first year coaching was in 1986. So it was, it was quite some time ago. Um, you know, <laughs> after I graduated college, I got a full-time job and, and kind of loved coaching for, for quite a few years. And then ran into a, a bud of mine who was um, uh Rick Zapata, who's now the head coach at my, my old high school, and um, he got me back into coaching in 1998. Um, I was there from from 98 to 2003. Um, started out again coaching freshman ball. We moved up to the varsity actually a couple years later. Um, left California in 2003. Uh, my wife had an opportunity out here in Texas. We decided to take it. Um, didn't know anybody out here when I moved out here. Uh, started coaching at, at a small school in, in Flatland called Cormdale Academy. Um, I was there for, for a year in 2007, um, <clears throat> took the 2008 season off. And um, actually through a mutual friend, I, I uh, met Chris Cunningham at, at, uh, at Prestonwood Christian Academy and um, a gentleman by the name of, of William McLean, who's also passed, passed on. Um, they gave me an opportunity there and I was there from uh, 2009 uh, to 2017. And, and that's really where I think, um, I, I, I blossomed as a coach and got, got to the, uh, kind of build my, my own style. Um, coach Cunningham was a, is a, and is a great coach. Um, Wade McLean was a great coach. Um, I was there for nine years. We played for uh, six state championships and won four. Um, in 2018, our, our offensive coordinator at Prestonwood got offered an opportunity to, uh, moved to Liberty Christian School in Argyle, Texas, and he asked me to come with him. And um, I, 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 I decided, even though leaving Prestonwood was a really hard thing to do, um, I, you know, I love the school, I love the staff, I love the kids. It was, it was great. Um, it, it was time for for a change and a new challenge. Um, you know, last year was our first year there. Um, I served as a running back coach last year, and, and this year I actually got promoted to offensive coordinator. So. Um, Good opportunity. Um, we went to the semifinals last year for, for um, our first year there. It was a great season, um, although, you know, we fell slightly short of our goal. Um, you know, happy to be there. Great kids, great families, um, very supportive. Uh, it's closer to home, which is always a positive. And uh, I'm, I'm actually getting to do and continue to do something that I really enjoy doing. Coaches, so uh, is this the first year ever for you to be an offensive coordinator or just in the recent years? But actually, it actually is. It's my first year as an offensive coordinator. Um, so, so I guess again about my kind of my coaching deal. So when I started coaching freshman ball, I actually, you know, at that time on, on that level, you know, you coach on both sides of the ball. So I coached the receivers mm-hmm. and the defensive back. Um, and when we moved up to the varsity, it was kind of a, a coincidence that, um, you know, uh, two of my two of my friends that you know at St. Paul High School, there's a lot of alumni who come back to coach. So um, my 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 best friend uh, Rich Reese and, and Rick Zapata, we all played defensive back, so we kind of had a, 
uh, draw straws. You know, I'm kind of saying that tongue in cheek because, but you know, Rick, Rick coached the D backs. Um, Rich coached the running backs and I moved to the linebackers at that spot. So a couple of years later, I became a defensive coordinator there. Um, you know, I had, I had my second year, I had been a special teams coordinator. Um, when I moved to Texas and I was at Cormdale, I was a defensive coordinator. I coached the inside linebackers for a lot of years. Um, went to Prestonwood, coached the inside backers, outside backers. Um, you know, un- unfortunately, um, Wade, Wade, who I had mentioned earlier, he, he passed away during the 2011 season, um, right before the season started. Um, as a matter of fact, two, in two days, it's the anniversary of his death. And uh, uh, I took over for him for a year at Prestonwood as a, as a defensive coordinator. Um, moved to the offensive side of the ball at, at the request of, of Stephen Greek. Um, I've coached at the running back you know, there for a few years. Uh, Run, run game coordinator, and now this is the first time I'll get to be an OC, which is which is pretty exciting for me. Wow, yeah, that's uh, I mean that's kind of uh, I think if you were to build build an offensive coordinator, I think that's the way you'd want to do it. But have a guy go through uh, as a defensive coordinator, you know, a defensive position coach, then defensive coordinator, and then uh, really run you know run game coordinator, really learn the run game, uh, and then kind of after that all of that time now become an offense coordinator. Now you understand, uh, you know, the front, the front five on offense, and then you understand what a defense is trying to do to attack you. I think um, I, I'm sure I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm sure that uh, all of those stages in your coaching career uh, probably helped you into now being a, uh, the offense coordinator. It, it really has. I mean, it, it's, it's, um, it's awesome to kind of know, what the defense is thinking and where they come from. And it's also a different thing to have guys on the offensive side of the ball who've only coached on the offensive side of the ball. And, and now, you know, you can, you kind of know the coverages and what they're trying to accomplish. You know, you kind of know the different, you know, if you got, you got a one high or two high look, the different things they can do out of it. And, and especially now knowing that, you know, some teams, you know, split field coverage now is, is a big thing. And, and knowing when you see it, what they're trying to do rather than, you know, um, assume that everything's, you know, uh, uh, you know, you know, to cover, cover one or cover three, you know, um, you kind of, you kind of have a, an idea once you see what the drops are going, the run fits are and what they're trying to accomplish. Coach, you also talked a little bit about, um, you know, going from a very, very successful program to, to kind of take on a new challenge. Can you kind of talk a little bit about, you know, your thought process and, and maybe, you know, a, a few of the reasons kind of why you, you felt like it was time or, or how you knew it was time, uh, you know, the reason I ask is I, I kind of had a similar, you know, I don't know if you say awakening or, or whatever you want to call it, but, you know, leaving a, a place like Jenks High School was in the midst of, you know, I won two state titles there with that staff, and then uh, they ended up winning two more, but going to Broken Arrow in, in Oklahoma, which had honestly never won a state title. So that was, for me, a huge motivating factor where it's like, you know, I, I wanted those kids at, at that school to kind of feel the joy and the, you know, the awesomeness of, of winning a state title. And luckily, you know, coach Harper kind of helped finish the deal this year with them, but that was one of my reasons for doing it. I was kind of, you know, it piqued my interest to be able to hear your, your reasoning, you know, when you win four state titles at Prestonwood, now you go off onto the next challenge. Right. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent for you real quick, because I want to uh, kind of a quick shout out to coach Tremble because um, when I first moved to Dallas and I didn't know anybody out here. I actually went to the Glazier clinic and he was working at it. 
And and uh, I don't know if I should tell anybody this, but he actually snuck me in as a youth coach and gave me a pass <laughs> because um, I, you know, he he said, hey, you know, I'm going to help you out here a little bit because I think if I remember correctly, you had to be like on a staff or something like that, or you had to be involved some way as a coach to get in. Like I couldn't basically just come as some guy off the street. And, and, um, you know, I, so I really, I really appreciate it. I mean, I mean if you can imagine if, if he had never let me walk in that room, you know, I might not have won for state titles. So it, it's unbelievable how giving somebody an opportunity can kind of pay itself off. And, and, um, you know, I, I, I want him to know if he, if he ever hears this, um, that, that, uh, I'm kind of trying to do the same for for other young coaches that are kind of coming coming up through the ranks. So um, I, I want to make sure that I say that I appreciate that. that um, that's that's definitely that, sounds like something he would do. What a, a huge heart that guy has. He sure does. He sure does. And and so now uh, I guess I'll answer your question about the the Liberty thing. So so um, you know, Prestonwood is is a relatively um, newer school when compared to you know, to, to Liberty. So Liberty has been around for quite some time. They've actually won state championships in the past. And um, when we got to Prestonwood, and I'll, I'll never forget this. As a matter of fact, my first year, uh, 2009, we met Liberty in the state championship game and, and we were fortunate enough to beat them. And I remember getting the opportunity to play them. And we were, when we were planning for the game and talking about it, um, Wade had told me, you know, we always, when we started the program, because he was there when they started the program at Preston, he said, we always wanted to be um, as good as Liberty is. So, you know, and I'll be honest with you, the standard at Liberty has already been, it's been set way before I got there. I mean, they're a good program. Um, you know, they, they haven't won a state title in a while. I think it's 2007, maybe it was the last time that they won one. Um, but they do have tradition. Um, they do have a standard. You know, nobody's bigger than the program, and, and I understand that kind of going into it. And, and when I had the opportunity, you know, it was it was a really hard thing to do to to tell Coach Cunningham I was leaving. Um, and I really appreciate everything that, that he did for me while he was there. But um, you know, the, the funny thing about it is is Prestonwood is 45 minutes away from from where I live, and um, and this is no joke. I actually where I used to live before we moved, I would drive by signs in the yards that said home of a warrior as I was going to practice because um, there were kids in my neighborhood who went to Liberty and, and um, you know, when Stephen got the job at, at Liberty, there were, in, in, there were some people um, calling me, asking, you know, and I'd run in them, you know, asking me if I was coming. Um, some, some kids, the parents of kids that my sons had grown up playing baseball with, um, they were asking, are you coming? And, and I, I really wasn't sure at first. We talked about it for quite some time. Um, you know, my, my wife and I discussed it an awful lot, uh, before I made the decision, but, but I, I, I really decided to do it because the, the, the program does have a history, um, because I felt I wanted to do something to, to, to help it get back to where, where it has been. Um, and, and also mainly because it's closer to home and, and it allowed, it allows me to get home sooner to my family and kind of be around my family a little bit more. And, and uh, so, so it's been a good move for me so far. Coach, I want to, I want to kind of go back to, uh, you know, one of your very first sentences, you kind of talked about your why and, and you talk, you know, a little bit about uh, a coach that uh, wasn't there for you as a player. And, and that was kind of your whole reason behind getting back into coaching was uh, so no, none of your players or no players that you could impact would ever feel like that. Uh, is that something that uh, obviously 
if, if it's your why, then it's probably something that that you sit back and and think about for your kids that you're coaching uh, on a on a near daily basis. At least I would assume uh, a weekly basis to to try to impact those kids that you do come across in a positive way. You know, there there are a lot of kids and 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 a lot of different kids um, throughout the years that you kind of talk to and you kind of coach. And and I'll tell you. Um, I was, I was a young guy when, when I started coaching him. I was still in college. And, and, um, you know, as a matter of fact, on, on one of the first teams that I coached, my best friend's younger brother, who was only four years younger than me, um, played on that team. And, um, so, so, and at, at, when I started being so young and being so close in age to them, I really knew what they were going through. Um, you know, and, and at that time, I think in, in most coaches lives, when they get an opportunity to coach that young, a lot of it, really and honestly was a regurgitation of the things that I had been taught and I was still kind of developed in my own style but but now fast forward um you know deck you know it, it's kind of weird to say it because you know I'm, I'm I'm really not that old even though I'm I'm an older coach now but I've been coaching for for five decades which is amazing you know the 80s the 90s 2000s and the 2010s uh, and and there have been times I've been to my players weddings um coach some of their kids um, back in California um, you know I've, I've there's a, a former player of mine who actually got my, my oldest in an internship you know um, you know back in California doing doing some stuff over the summer he wanted to do video editing and, and it came through for me so um, I think it's huge to, to build relationships with your players like that um, you know some of I'll tell you my, my, my best friends are coaches best friends are, are you know, some of my former players, um, you know, I still feel a closeness with them, even though sometimes we don't see them for quite some time. Um, you know, there are times where I'll get a text message or a phone call or, or a Facebook message or something out of the blue. And, um, or, you know, uh, maybe two years ago, my family went back to California to go visit for the holidays and kind of spur the moment thing. I texted some of the guys that I coached, you know, back in the early 2000s and, uh, we decided to kind of just get together and go have dinner. And like there was about 15 or 20 people who showed up. They brought their wives, they brought their kids. Um, and, and that really makes me feel good because they, uh, they know that I still care, which is a good thing, which is a really good thing. Yeah. There, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Not obviously a, uh, extremely important thing. And, and coach, you know, one of the things that kind of, uh, caught my eye, um, in, in really, made us, you know, need to basically talk to you. Uh, it was, uh, you know, the thing that you've, you've got uh, going called football for life. Um, actually the, the post I had seen was, uh, I believe you were in uh, South Dakota working with, with a team, maybe even on a, uh, on a, on a reservation out there. Um, and then obviously, you know, uh, I don't coach walls is from South Dakota. So, Nope. Uh, it was, you know, it was kind of a thing that, man, it kind of hit me in the face and, and did some more reading on it and thought was extremely interesting, especially as a guy from Oklahoma, um, obviously have some uh, Native uh, American, you know, I'm Cherokee, my great grandpa spoke Cherokee. So it was all, it all kind of was a, a weird, inter, you know, intertwinement of uh, a little bit of things from coach walls, some, some impact to, to me. And so uh, I thought that was interesting. That's kind of the, the first reason that made us kind of talk about, Hey, let's get, let's get coach on the podcast. So what is maybe tell some people about and tell us a little bit more about uh, football for life and, and um, maybe even your visit to South Dakota and, and kind of 
maybe even how all that stuff kind of came about because it's extremely interesting and, and I want to learn, you know, more and more about it. Absolutely. So, so football for life is, is really the, the brainchild of, of a friend of mine named Joe Pena, who um, we, we actually, we grew up in the same city. We played youth football in the same league. He was four years older than me. I remember looking up to him as a kid. We played the same position. Um, we went to the same high school and we ended up actually coaching together um, my first couple of years of coaching. And, and he really took me under his wing and kind of made sure that I was doing things the right way. And um, in, in, Actually, in 2015, Joe called me, and it was it was a really strange conversation because we just talk every once in a while, and and he he kind of called me up and he said, you know, I'm not in coaching anymore. He said, but I really want to kind of do something that leaves kind of a legacy. And and what I was thinking is, you know, getting some guys together that we know that can go, and, and it really started out as just to find a football team that really wasn't doing very well, and maybe running a a clinic for the coaches and for some of the players and and trying to help them kind of kind of get themselves going a little bit. It had really nothing to do with, with, with what it has evolved into, but man, did it, did it take, um, take on a life of its own? Um, you know, Joe's idea, and, and he literally went to max preps and started calling schools from the bottom up. So, so however many schools they list in the United States, he literally started calling from the very bottom school um, after getting some people um, not returning his calls or showing some interest and kind of, you know, not responding to him after he finally landed on Pine Ridge high school, um, did it on the Pine Ridge reservation in, in South Dakota and their head coach is, is Sam Bravo. And, um, you know, this was in, in 20, 2015, I believe. And, um, we started to do some research and we found out that in, in, in 2014 alone, there were 162 suicide attempts on the reservation. Mm-hmm. Uh, 162 and included in that were you know that the first three of that year was a was a 29 year old guy a 26 year old woman and a 20 year old man and and later at the end of that year and what really kind of hit home for us was there was a 14 year old boy who hanged himself uh, on december 17th and a 15 year old girl who did the same thing on christmas day so you know we kind of we kind of talked about this for a little while and we said hey you know, we, we can do something that kind of gives back to the game that, that gave us so much, that we kind of gave us so much. So um, that first year, you know, we really didn't have a whole ton of, ton of money. We did have some time, and we had some coaches who weren't afraid to roll up their sleeves and, and do some work. Um, those guys is a guy named Dave Cullen, who played for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, you know, my, my friend Rich Ruiz, who, uh, you know, he, he actually coached with me at St. Paul High School and went on to coach at the in the college ranks at Cerritos College, um, you know, some, some, some other guys that either played college ball or had coached for quite some time. And we put out some phone calls. So, um, you know, Coach Cunningham, uh, we had found out too, by the way, that, that Coach Bravo at Pine Ridge was having to turn away kids because they didn't have enough uniforms. Um, so Coach Cunningham was kind enough to donate some helmets, some, some, and they were still certified, but they, and he said, you know, they're, they're good for the year or two. So he donated about 16 helmets. Um, uh, Coach Frank Mazuda Sr., um, who has since retired, but he was still at Cerritos College. He donated, um, I think, some pants or actually some cleats. He donated some cleats. Um, we had uh, Servite High School in Anaheim, California, donate some old uniforms. Um, we, we contacted uh, a few other schools. Claremont McKenna donated some practice pants. So we kind of got together some 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 used stuff, um, sent it out 
started at Pine Ridge, um, and and I didn't go the first or second year, but I did help behind the scenes kind of. And, and Joe took a crew of guys, about you know eight or nine guys. They went out that first year and they held a coaches clinic and a clinic, uh, an actual camp on the campus of Pine Ridge High School for uh, the high school players. Um, year two, we had we had a year behind us. We got a little bit more organized. Uh, Joe actually put in the legwork and, and a bunch of the other guys helped them. Um, uh, Football for Life held a golf tournament. We raised enough money to buy um, the school some brand new game uniforms, which was awesome. Um, and another group of guys went out there, and this time, rather than the, the camp being just for the high school, they included the middle school as well, so it grew a little bit more. Um, this this next year, um, and, and it was this year, uh, the second annual tournament was held. Um, they raised some more funds. Um, we actually sent, took a crew guys out there again. This time we added a middle school. We separated the middle school from the high school camp. We had a middle school camp in the morning, a high school camp in the afternoon. Um, and with the money we raised at the golf tournament, we were actually able to give away this year four scholarships. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, um, two, two of the four were, um, attendees from that original camp. Um, the third was from one of the student managers, um, who is now at Arizona state. Um, she actually graduated from Pine Ridge with a 2.7 GPA and she's attending, uh, uh, Arizona state, but probably the most impactful one is, is someone who has not gone to any of the camps, but his name is, uh, Eric Swiftwater. And, and he actually, um, in his story is unique. He actually went to Black Hill state and, um, when he was at, at his school, which is called Ulrich's High School, out, out there near Pine Ridge. Um, he was class president. He set some records in, in football, basketball, and track. Um, he was a salutatorian. Um, he got academic scholarships and an, an athletic scholarship to play football at Black Hills. Um, but the interesting story of him was when he was 12 years old, he and his five siblings were actually placed in foster care, and, and they were separated into two different homes. But he didn't let them affect them. And, and that's that he's exactly the type of kid that we're looking to help. And, and that's why we're doing football for life. We want to give these kids an opportunity that they might not otherwise have. And, and you know, now I will tell you that, that the scholarships are not huge, um, but, but they, they are a token to help them and, and, and hopefully they can continue and pursue their, their dreams. So, you know, we're, we're always looking for um, coaches who might be willing to help in, in any way, shape or form, whether it's, you know, monetarily, equipment-wise, um, you know, maybe some volunteer guys who, who might be interested in going out to the camp. Um, you know, you, you'd be surprised as those kids, um, you know, they, they really, they want to be coached. Um, they, they enjoy it. They were very thankful. Um, and, and you know, there's there's a lot of poverty there on the reservation. And I'm telling you, that they, I, I, and I'm not sure that this is the actual number, but I think they say that unemployment ranges in the like 80 to 90% range. So, well, you know, where, where I'm from, a lot of the kids' biggest things are, okay, how am I going to get to, you know, football, baseball, and basketball practice, you know, all in one day or one week. These guys have to work in the morning, you know, go to football practice, and then try to find some work, you know, after work just to help their family uh, get by. And, and um, you know, we, we just want to do uh, a as as little or as much as possible to give them an opportunity and show them that there is somebody out here who cares.
Yeah, it's <clears throat> if you've ever been there. I mean, again, growing up in South Dakota and knowing all about it. I mean, it's it's literally like a third world country. I mean, it, it is. I'm, I'm looking at the stats right now, and it just it's just mind boggling. Like you said, it 90 percent unemployment. Um, like 97% of the population lives like well below the, the, just the poverty line. Like I think it says the, yes. the median income that a family brings in is like 3,500 bucks. And that's not a month. That's yes. a year. So, I mean, there, and there's yes. no, no, no commercial places for kids to work there. You know, there's like a few gas stations, a couple, one or two grocery stores, you know, no banks, no motels, none of that stuff. And then, it just leads to, to massive, massive depression. And like you said, you know, teen suicide's huge. And then not only that, also the, the alcoholism and the, and the drug addiction that's on the, the reservation is, is just nuts. So I think, you know, any, anything yep. that you can do for, for a young athlete, a young man, a young woman, just to show some of these kids, you know, hope and that, that there is a, a light at the end of the tunnel. It's, it's huge because the, you know, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you one of the things that nuts. Yeah, one one of the things that Joe kind of told me when, when I was out there was, um, you know, there's a little town outside of of the reservation, just across the border in Nebraska. Um, I believe they've since shut it down, but White, White Clay. The, the town, the, you're exactly right. Yes, and and the population was like maybe 110 people or something like that, but they sold like a hundred thousand cans of beer a year. Yeah. So like the, the entire town's existence centered on the fact that they were going to sell alcohol. And, um, I believe unless I'm mistaken, cause you know, I, we didn't pass through there or anything, but Joe was telling me that I think they finally shut some of that stuff down that, that they finally cracked down on that. And, and, uh, it's no longer there. So, um, you know, that, that's a whole other issue. Um, you know, but there, there are very few youth centers or things for the youth to do. So we kind of thought that, hey, let's go out there and, and, and do this camp. And, let's, you know, um, you know it, it was amazing, too, coming back. A bunch of the kids, you know, friended me on Facebook and, and they're messaging me on Twitter. And, and um, they were really, really thankful. And, 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 you know, just some of the things, even basic football knowledge, we were just soaking it up like a sponge. I mean, it was, um, you know, some of those kids showed up. They don't even have cleats, you know, or anything like that. So, um, you know, we're, we're trying to do what we can just to, to, to help them out as much as we possibly can. I mean, what, what an unbelievable story. And, and I, I can just t- talk just a little bit from, um, you know, from my own point of view and, and I've gotten to go to some camps and now it, it's been total opposite side of the coin. It's been, you know, some, some of the really wealthy kids around, uh, around the country, but, um, you're exactly right. You start getting some, uh, uh, messages from those kids and, and even those kids with so many things outside of football, uh, man, when you can really go impart some football knowledge and, um, you know, bring some of those things to those camp, uh, those kids are, are um, which is who are trying to help kids in general. I mean, uh, they're just so thankful for, uh, you know, somebody that truly knows football and, and cares about them as, as uh, human beings and, and as football players. And uh, it, it's, it's crazy how, how, you know, probably negative uh, a lot of people have of, of a thought of that generation, but um, you get someone that really cares and, and shows, you know, real interest in them, man, they start soaking that stuff all up and, and they just love it. They do. They do. They really do. So, so coach kind of back to, um, uh, you know, that's awesome. And, and uh, thanks for sharing that with us because uh, it was something 
something that, like I said, I was very, very interested in. But kind of getting back to um, uh, back to Texas and and talking about you know your own football team going in, you're being an offensive coordinator. Um, I'm, I'm sure going through some different teams and, and doing some different things uh, as a defense coordinator, you've seen a lot of offenses, and and now you like like you said, you kind of have an idea of maybe even what what makes a defensive coordinator stay up late at night. So what is your kind of uh, uh, general maybe offensive philosophy uh, going into your first year being an OC? So, so we're, you know, we're, we're, we're an air raid team. We're, we're offense. Um, and, you know, I'm fortunate enough that, that the head coach is the guy who kind of developed our, our, our offense, you know, um, coach Greek and I, um, you know, I was, I was, I was talking about it and, you know, before, um, when you guys invited me to do this thing, I kind of went back and kind of looked through some stuff and I didn't even realize we, he and I have coached 132 games together. So we've been together for, for quite some time. Wow. Um, you know, at, at the Preston, what you, we, we actually over, over a period of nine years there, um, our office averaged, you know, 42.6 points a game. So, you know, the philosophy is basically, you know, spread them and shred them. I mean, we, you know, we, we, we come out in the spread offense and, and you know, a lot of people, um, and, and a lot of guys I know there was that answer. Maybe for some people there still is that, that the, the air raid, the spread offense is a, is a finesse offense. And, and, you know, it's kind of, kind of funny because for some teams, there's, there's nothing further from the truth. I mean, um, you know, we'll, we'll run the ball and we'll, we'll take what they give us. You know, our, our, our motto is tempo touches touchdowns. So, you know, we, um, we run a fast tempo offense. We, we spread the ball around as much as we can, and we try to put as many points up on the board as we possibly can. Um, we've been fortunate, you know, to to have some some really good guys and some good players. And I'm not going to, you know, not going to tell an untruth to you or anything. But you know, we've we've been we've been blessed to have some good players. Um, and while I was at Prestonwood, we coached uh, Michael Irvin Jr. Um, you know, J.R. Reed, who's now at at Georgia. Um, in in 2015. Um, when we won a state championship, you know, I was coaching the running backs. Uh, we we had a three-headed monster. Our our, our uh, first string running back, and really, I, I really don't have a string philosophy. It's kind of next man up. But um, you know, one of them, Colin Whitaker, has gone on to play at Rice University. Uh, Deontay uh, Williams has gone on to play at Baylor. And um, you know, ironically, our, our third one, Ryan Bradbury, is now at Augustana, um, and and he is actually. Um, He's, he's actually the only one that's still playing running back. Colin is, is at the defensive back spot now, and and Deontay is playing outside linebacker. So, um, you know, and in, in, in now, you know, fast forward here to, to Liberty, um, we have some great athletes here too. You know, um, we've got a, a Christian Driver, um, son of Donald Driver, the, the you know Packer legend, and wow. you know, he's he's only going to he, he's only a, he's only a sophomore right now, and he's probably got you know thirty offers or so. Um, you know, we've got a guy by the name of Colin Gamble. Um, who's a defensive back for us? He is he's really um, going to be a threat probably on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, we we've we've got uh, um, we've really got some guys. Last year we had um, um, uh, Peyton play for us, son of Sean Payton, the New Orleans Saints head coach, and um, we've got um, Jason Witten's sons coming up through the middle school. So um, you know, out here in, in the Metroplex, we have quite a few um, NFL guys, and, and you know, I've been kind of fortunate. To, to be able to coach with some of those guys and learn from some of those guys. And, and, um, you know, the, the knowledge that I've gained from those guys are, are phenomenal as well. I mean, they see some things and, and are able to teach things and have, have shared some, 
some some insight that's it's you know made me a better coach and, and helped me out. So um, I'm I'm really fortunate to have been around some of those guys. What is your guys' kind of bread and butter then, as far as like the run game's concerned? We we um, we have kind of a I mean like pretty much everybody in this we run inside zone an awful lot and and um, you know, we really want to get good at that. Um, you know we we run uh, counter and, and and power and and uh, you know the the dart play so and outside zone those are those are some of our staples and something that we really feel that we have to be good at. Um, you know, we have some, some other wrinkles that we put in that, that I'm not going to really share too much because uh, you never know who's listening, but um, <laughs> we, we, do, we, we do, we have some guys and, and, you know, we, the, the one great thing that I've learned from, from coach Greek in the time that we've been together is, um, you know, our, our quarterbacks have different philosophies, you know, and I'll just tell you, we, um, you know, we were, we were really fortunate. So 2013, 2014, 2015, we had a, we had a kid that uh, named Ryan Cash. Um, he actually threw for over 10,000 yards in his high school career. He didn't get a single um, football offer because of his size, you know, six feet, maybe 150 pounds. But he, uh, he is actually right now playing uh, uh, baseball at Oral Roberts University. Um, after that, you know, and, and Ryan was a, was a smaller, thinner guy. So, so we used him one way. Um, you know, the following year we had a kid named, named MJ Rivers, great quarterback, um, did a great job for us. He's a he's a bigger kid. Um, he he ran the ball, you know, quite a bit. And you know, while those guys were there, we actually had another kid. Who, and, and I'll tell you, I really tip my hat to this guy. His name was is Wiley Green. He's actually a quarterback at Rice right now. And um, you know, Wiley, unlike what a lot of kids, you know, a lot of kids if they don't get to start or, or like they, they kind of pack their things and go. Wiley learned, worked continue to work, won the starting job after, after MJ left, uh, earned himself a scholarship to Rice. And, and I mean, I really, um, he's a great kid, a great guy, a great example for a lot of people out there um, that does pay off eventually if you keep working at it day after day after day. You guys are pretty big then, Coach, on running the QB. Have you been kind of more, you know, pro style with, with the guy or is it kind of something that changes, you know, a little bit, you know, year to year based on the, the dude you got? it really does change year to year based on, on the guy that we have. You know, it, and that's, that's one of the things I enjoy most about, about working with, with coach Greek over here at Liberty. And when we were at Preston Winter together is that, that we match, you know, in our system, what we feel the strengths of our players are. So, so, you know, we, um, you know, not everybody can do the same things, you know, and, and we find out what they're good at. We do our best to put them in a position to succeed. Um, you know, there are some some games where a guy will have, you know, nine, ten catches. There are other games where he might not have any, and, and that's just kind of the way it goes. You know, um, uh, a few years back, we we actually played where we were at Prestonwood against IMG Academy, and, and uh, Michael had 21 catches that night. Um, you know, one short, I think, or he either tied the state record or he was one short of the state record or something like that. But he, uh, you know, and, and – um, but that didn't have, happen every week. You know, some some weeks you get you know one or two, and you kind of have to be okay with that as a player. You have to understand that we're gonna we're, we're gonna take what they give us. You know, whatever's open is what we're gonna do. Um, you know, we we don't try to force things that aren't gonna happen for us. And 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 I think that's one of the reasons why we've we've had some pretty good success. 
So, uh, you know, kind of the big arguments and, and I don't, you know, you don't, I don't need you to necessarily say which one is better. I, I just kind of curious of a comparison because, uh, you know, there's, there's been big, uh, what, what high school is best, what high school state is best, Florida and Texas and California. And you've been now coached in California and Texas. And, and I'm sure both are great in their own ways and, and both have some downfalls, but uh, what are maybe some, some comparison and, and not to say which one's best, but, what are some comparisons and maybe some of the, the differences that you've seen uh, coaching at both spots, both in California and, and now in Texas? You know, I, I will tell you that, 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 that the upper echelon of teams and, and the top teams, I, I really believe that they could really compete against each other. So, I mean, I hear it all the time, and, and I'll be honest with you, man, I'm kind of on the fence with that because I played in California and I coached there for, for quite some time, and, and now I'm in Texas. But I, I will tell you that, in, 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 in my opinion, there's a lot of people who might disagree with this. I think that the the talent pool in California is is really focused on the Southern California and the Southern section, um, whereas you know in Texas the state is just so big that I think that that you know there's a lot of talent all over the place. You know, I mean, it really is you know spread out. I mean, you can you can talk about you know Allen High School to, you know, Alito, to Austin Westlake, to, you know, schools like Prestonwood, um, you know, and, and um, really one of the, the, the big differences for me that I'm still trying to, trying to figure out is the fact in, in California, you know, the, the private schools mix it up with the public schools throughout the year, and, and a lot of them are, are much, much better. And, and out here, you know, um, you know, coaching at a private school and having only coached at private schools my entire career, um, you know, a lot of times people think that, you know, that, well, you know, you're an itty bitty private school and, 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 you know, you can't really compete with the big boys, you know, and, and, and maybe to an extent that could be true. I mean, uh, there's some schools out here that have 3,000, 4,000 kids. And, um, but I'll tell you at, at Preston and even at Liberty, we've, we've competed with some of the public schools and, and, and even kind of taken it to them and, and, um, you know, granted they're, they're really good. And, and, but I think, I think that we are too. So, um, hopefully that kind of answers your question. I think that uh, there's a lot of talent in, in both places, but I really do believe that it's really focused in the southern section in, in, in SoCal. And I'm not saying there's not good schools. I mean, heck, there's there's uh, De La Salle up north that had that 150 you know uh, game winning streak, and, and Bob Latusay, or I hope I'm saying his name cor- correct, um, uh, Latusay, Latusay. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it. I mean, he's the winningest coach in in California, and um, so, so there are some good teams up, up north and, and even in San Diego. But overall, I just think that, that the talent in Texas is just, man, it's all over the place. There's, they're everywhere. I mean, so many teams, so much talent. Yeah, it really is. We've said it a bunch on here. But uh, in Texas, it's split up. At least when I went to uh, Houston in college, um, it's split up to having, you know, five – uh, almost five different sections of Texas and the guys that I met all were proud of their part of Texas and would all argue that their part of Texas was better football than, than the other parts. And uh, it was really, really interesting and a lot different than, than Oklahoma was as I was growing up through that. Um, uh, but uh, you know, what you talk about Texas, uh, those private schools are so um, you know, with, with taps, I believe it is, um, you know, it is a kind of conglomerate of those private schools where uh, even up here in Oklahoma, it's uh, most of the private schools are going through um, our, our normal OSSAA. I mean, they're playing all the public schools and, you know, they, they bump them uh, up a little 
little bit because they are private school, even though their, their uh, attendance is lower, you know, would be a lower classification. They bump them up. But uh, all of those schools are, are uh, playing, or most of them are playing with high schools and they just added, uh, you know, the one big one that normally uh, is just a private school. So uh, it is kind of a, a, a different thing in Texas and, and having those big private league uh, leagues and really, really great teams through the private leagues. I mean, I went to a, um, I don't remember what the school was in Houston. I went there six, seven years ago, a, a private school in Houston and they were on ESPN and someone flew in on his, uh, on his Aggie copter. And uh, it was a really, <laughs> really big deal. Something that uh, definitely wouldn't be happening in Oklahoma between two schools in the private school um, uh, division or, or district or, you know, whatever. Right. Right. And, you know, we, we actually had that, um, you know, the, a couple of that, that, that happened a couple of times too with us at, at Prestonwood where, um, you know, I, I, maybe it was, it was, you know, Baylor or somebody who, who kind of flew their helicopter in and landed and the coaches came out to the game for a quarter or two and then they got back in the copter and they took off and they went to another game. So, um, you know, that, that does happen. And it may be Katie that you're talking about out in the Houston area because they, they're a pretty good team. And I know that, that, uh, you know, they, they've been pretty good for a while. And, and, you know, we got South Lake out here as well that, you know, those guys, um, there's some, some really talented and, and, and good schools out here. This was at a, uh, at a private school in Houston. And I don't know, um, okay. you know, there's so many, but it was, it was two private schools playing and they were on ESPN. I mean, it was, it okay. kind of blew okay. my mind. So that, that's what I'm, you know, that's kind of what I was saying is that, that, that the private school league is, is um, it's not like, you know, kind of for the, other teams it's it's very very good competition I think each of those teams had four or five division one players and it was um it was really really impressive to see uh, even though they weren't a part of the high school association in Texas where in Oklahoma you'll have some private schools um but the better private schools are, are the ones that are part of the Oklahoma high school association right right and and you know you you may be if you're talking about a private school maybe Be- uh, Bella Episcopal we played them a couple of times and hmm. um as a matter of fact, we played them in, in I believe, in 2015. Um, we played them at the University of Houston. And then um, 2016, I think we played them at the University of North Texas. So, um, and that's, ironically, that's actually where, um, where we played uh, Preston with this year. Now, kind of interesting, interesting fact. So, um, I got to, um, I got to Preston with in 2009. And, and I told you earlier that we always had talked about being, you know, as good as Liberty was. Well, um, in in the in the nine years I was at Prestonwood, we never lost to Liberty. So um, um, I will tell you that um, last year, um, our first year here at Liberty, we were we man, we played them twice. So we we actually the, we had a preseason game schedule with them that was done before uh, Coach Greek got the job. So um, we played that game, and man, did they take it to us? I mean, they really. They really took it to us that first time we played it at that place, and um, you know the kids were pretty fired up, and and um, you know they they really handed it to us, and and then uh, we actually met up with them in the second round of the playoffs, and for the first time in the history of of the school of Liberty Christian, we actually beat Prestonwood um, in the second round of the playoffs. We beat them twenty four to twenty one at the University of North Texas, so that was um, that was a bittersweet victory for me because. Um, I coached every one of those running backs on the field. So it was, uh, it was an interesting thing and, and uh, a hard deal. You know, those, those coaches are still my friends. Um, I still care a lot about those players and I wish the best for them. And, um, you know, it was, it was a bittersweet victory that day. Um, 
but an exciting one as well. Coach, I know uh, from what I can remember about Preston Wood as well, you, uh, you guys had always had, you know, good tight ends. Can you talk maybe a little bit about, you know, some of the, the tight end talent you guys had and, and some of the different things you did with those? Because I think, you know, teams with, with good tight ends or hybrid type, you know, larger receivers, especially if you're an air raid squad, those can just become a, a matchup nightmare for a lot of defenses in any league. Yeah, so we were we were fortunate enough, and we used actually uh, Michael Irvin Jr. at at tight end when we we're back um, at at Prestonwood, and and just his size and the things we were able to do, and, and the fact that you know he could, you know he he could block for us, he could catch the ball, um, you know it really made us a lot more versatile because um, you know anytime they they kind of gave us um, you know fits in the run game, we could put him in, but then we could always you know throw the ball to him as well, and and um, you know, this, this past year, um, Prestonwood had a kid named Austin Stogner who's gone on to play at, at the University of Oklahoma. Um, he's, he's ranked as one of the best tight ends in the nation. He kind of gave us a, a similar situation. I mean, um, you know, our, our last year um, at Prestonwood together, uh, Coach Greek actually even built specific packages uh, for, for Austin because of, of, of the weapon that he was and the things that he could do and, and the fact that, I mean, you know, he, he, I mean, he could catch some balls that, that you just put it up to him and he would body up on some people. And I mean, at, you know, six, six, 240 something pounds, you know, he, he really, um, it took more than one guy to get him down. And, and when, when he played, he, he, he played pretty well. So, um, you know, it, it, it's fortunate when you have one of those types of guys, because it just makes you that much more versatile, especially since, um, you know, a lot of defenses and, and being on that side of the ball for so many years, you know, you look at the personality deal where you see guys run on and off so you can base your package around it. Well, when you have a guy who can play out in space as well as attached, you know, it makes it that much harder to, to prepare because you really can't substitute or, or do some things that you might otherwise want to do. And you have to kind of to, to, to figure some things out to make sure that your, your, your run fits are right your coverages are still going to be right. And if you're going to do any type of stunning or blitzing that you've got everything covered because otherwise it's going to get you into some trouble. And all, yeah, I mean, also too, when you're a tempo team, I mean, you don't have to ever substitute, you know, they can stay on the field right. and all of a sudden they're in a quote heavy formation instead of a quote spread formation. Right. 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 And they, yeah. they can't, they just, it's not possible for them to get guys in. Was that a, is that something, uh, you know, in your offense, is, is that a, a difficult um, thing to work in? Just, be, you know, uh, Air Raid probably in, in the past is kind of known for uh, not necessarily having uh, tight ends uh, other than, you know, a few guys you'd run on, but um, not necessarily having tight ends in the Air Raid. Now I know um, recently at West Virginia, um, I don't know if they call themselves Air Raid, but uh, at West Virginia and, uh, Oklahoma, obviously, and, and some of those teams that those guys were former air raid guys, I guess they've, they've all kind of gone to having at least, uh, you know, several packages with a tight end. But uh, for a while, you know, kind of air raid was thought of as never having tight ends. It was four or five receivers and, and we're th chunking it all over the yard to those guys. Uh, it was that a difficult, you know, thing to put in uh, with an air raid offense or, or was it pretty seamless and, and uh, you know, kind of an e a lot easier than you'd probably think. You know, the 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 first thing is you you got to have that guy, right? Because if you don't have that guy, then you don't really get an opportunity to build that type of package. But when you do have that guy, it it, it actually is, and and again, 
being that I've coached on both sides of the ball, it's actually a little bit easier than some people think because um, because we're a concept-based offense, um, we can do some things out of different formations that's, that's very similar and very easy for us, but very difficult for the defense to defend. You know, it's, it's you know, um, what a lot of people call, um, you know, multiplicity out of simplicity, you know, and, and um, you know, you can do multiple things out of different looks, but the concepts are the same. So um, it, it's not as hard as it looks sometimes. Yeah, I think that was uh, going through the air raid at, at Houston. I think that was um, probably the, the coolest thing that I learned in college was how simple they could make things because uh, of, of how they packaged them and, and how they made the plays. And, uh, you, you know, we were we were three-day install. I mean, three days, we had the entire offense up. Now, I don't think they did a good enough job letting us know that because um, I didn't find out till like, my senior year that only a third of – the plays were being called on that certain day of practice. Um, it would have been maybe a little bit easier for me than trying to learn the whole playbook in a day. But uh, it, it was really impressive now, especially when, when you go to some places around the country that are taking 9, 10, 11 days to install their offense. Uh, you know, there, there are some air raid uh, coaches out there that they hit three, and then instead of taking, you know, nine days to install their offense, they're hitting all their plays uh, at three separate times in those nine days because they're going – you know, one, three, one through three, one through three. Now they get uh, a lot of reps at those plays they're running, and um, it's tough for a defense to be right against any of those plays. And, and, and you're exactly right. And, and, you know, the great thing about it is that we, because we're a concept-based offense, um, we can kind of mix some concepts up. Very easy for our kids to understand, but a completely different play for a defense to prepare for. and. Um, you know, they have to put in the time to prepare for all that stuff. Otherwise, they're not going to be ready for it when, when it hits them. And, and, you know, a couple simple tweaks here and there makes it look completely different. Um, but, but, you know, as long as the kids, and, and that's what it comes down to, as long as we, we are good teachers, you know, I mean, gone are the days of coaches who holler and yell and scream. Yes. Um, you know, it's, the guys, it's the guys who can teach. And, and, and have the kids understand what it is that we're trying to do, um, we can, you know, we can get a lot more things accomplished um, because ultimately if they can't do it on the field, then it doesn't matter how much we know and how much we can do and how many cool things we want to see, how much we want to copy that we've seen on Saturdays um, and watching the college teams play. You know, if the kids can't do it, then, then you've got to stay simple. And, and um you, you got to make sure that, that they understand that they can play fast because that's what it's all about. When you're a tempo offense, if you can't play fast, then then you know you're, you're in a little bit of a trouble because it can it can be three and out and a couple couple too many runs out and you get you three and outs to get yourself in a hole. Yes, yeah, really quick. You know, and and uh, you know for some of those reasons, some of those reasons are, are the same way, reason that uh, I've always been and, and Coach Walls have been so high on on pin and pull as a, as a scheme for us um, because it looks like four or five different plays, um, you know, and it's really all just based off of the, the, the front and the rules that we give our linemen, but uh, it could be uh, a guard and, and the center pulling, it could be a, a tackle center and a guard pulling. It can be all, you know, and all numerous uh, different things. And so 
now defensive coaches going through and, and um, you know, charting all that. It may look like three, four different plays. We had a tag and, and we get a wing on it. We had a tag and we got a fullback going, you know, wide or even backside. Now it looks like 10 different, you know, whatever, seven different plays. Uh, but it's one play to our kid. It was a, it's a day one or, or two install and, and everybody's got it. And, uh, but it looks very, very complicated a lot of the times to a defensive coordinator. It, it sure does. And, you know, the, the thing is, and I'll tell you, and one of the things you hear a lot about now is, and, and people talk about, about Belichick and the fact that he has his coaches do what they call padding play. Have you guys heard that term before? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so so it, it's kind of funny because when, when I was coaching for, for Marion out at St. Paul, uh, we had been doing that for years and years and years. I mean, we every film we got our hands on, he insisted that we – we used to call it carding. And what we would do is we would card every single play. We actually had some forms that we, we'd fill out where we'd put you know, down and distance, the hash, the yard line. We dropped the actual formation, the defense, and all the blocking scheme and all the pass routes. And then we'd cut those things up and we'd sort them by, by down. We'd sort them by formation. We'd sort them by hash mark. We'd sort them by location on the field. Um, you know, and, and it was just amazing um, when you're willing to put in that type of work, you know, what you really learn. And it really does make you a better coach. Um, you know, nowadays, I'll tell you that it are kind of spoiled with, with puddle and some, some of those other things because, you know, you can you – can, you can type those things in and you can find them in a heartbeat and you can see the tendencies in a heartbeat, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean it because if you don't study the blocking and you don't study the routes, you know, you, you may understand, you know, what it is they're trying to, but you really don't know the complete ins and outs. I mean, I remember, you know, coaching with Marion at, um, you know, at St. Paul and putting in so much time studying that when, when you call a game on Friday night, you really felt like you knew what they were going to try to do the the you know very next play and and um you know we had a lot of good coaches who put in a lot of good hours and and he was of that old you know old mentality where you know the the amount of time you spent was going to be directly proportional to the amount of games you won and 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 sometimes that was true you know and nowadays maybe not so much but but back then um you know we we were so prepared um because of the time that we put into it you know when when I was coaching for him, we went to the the computer scouting thing before Huddle came out. There's a there's another program uh, out here based in Carrollton, uh, ironically in Oakland, California, but it's called Web Game Day, and um, you know it was amazing because you know you, you got to remember I started in 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 1986, so I've actually my my coaching tenure has gone from 16 millimeter film to VHS to DVD to mini DV, and now finally just to to digital files straight out of the camera. And, um, you know, there were times where we'd say, okay, well, there was a trick play that they ran against us their last year or the year before that. And we'd have to pop a VHS in the tape and forward back and forth through, through the entire, you know, tape trying to find that play. And, and once we got that computer thing going, you know, we used to pop a VHS in there, digitize it. And we could, I remember being able to tag those plays. And, and one year we did that and, you know, we popped it up because we tagged all the trick plays and, and, uh, you know, I, you know, I told Mary at one point, you know, hey, here, here it is right here. He's like, how did you find that so fast? Well, you know, it's it's computer-based now. And, and uh, you know, all they are now is Excel spreadsheets, basically. So you can you can sort this stuff as long as you're willing to enter the, the data. And, uh, you know, that's, that's 
that's a key thing now the the everybody calls them analytics well you know we had been doing that back there he really was ahead of his time doing a lot of that stuff and nowadays everybody's you know involved and everybody's doing that and huddles made it you know so much so much easier with with their software and what they did you know i mean i'm uh, you know, and a few of those guys there and we've i've been kind of fortunate enough to kind of um beta test some things for those guys and and, and they've They've been a great help and, and, and great with us as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's unbelievable, uh, you know, how much easier because my whole my whole coaching experience has been through um, Huddle or a DSV or, or you know XOs, and it's always been easy to tag and, and find a tag from playing days of coaching. But I do remember as as a little kid watching Dad, uh, you know, roll back the VHS, uh, but I never even thought about uh, you know remembering something they did last year and then rolling through however many tapes that you have from them from last year. Uh, but I do remember uh, we had a whole closet in our house when, when my dad still lived there. Uh, had a whole closet in my house dedicated to um, football tapes that he had. I mean, an entire closet full of VHS tapes. And it was, uh, it was pretty impressive. Now, thinking back about it, I completely forgot about it. But anyways, uh, Coach, uh, kind of running up on an hour now. But uh, last thing we always yeah. like to ask guys, uh, I like to ask guys is when you're watching another team, uh, when you're watching their offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? You know, um, you, you can tell when, a, when an offensive line is, is really well coached. I mean, especially when they run like, like a, like an inside zone or an outside zone play when, when they're stepping and their steps are synchronized, when those guys are, or, are making calls and talking to each other and recognizing fronts. Um, that's when you know that they're, they're a well-coached football team. Um, you know, you, you can you can tell when their down blocks are crisp and when when they talk to, to pull and their footwork right. Um, you know, you can see that type of stuff and you and you know whether or not they've been well coached. Coach, man, I completely agree. Um, been awesome to to spend an hour with you. You got a, a wealth of football knowledge, man. You've been a lot of places, and then obviously the. Uh, wonderful things you're doing to, to use the game to, to make it a vehicle to, to also improve people's lives, I think is, is a, a great thing to, to remind all of us to do, especially as the season comes in. Remember, you know, why we're here and what we're doing. So appreciate you again, uh, Coach Diaz, and, and wish you the best of luck this year, man. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy running the power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.